Good evening. How's everybody doing? Very well. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike. So, um, as everybody can see, we have a very special guest with us this evening. So, Holly, thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, so, I'm going to ask very quickly, uh, how much did Tess have to armbar you to get into this? <laughs> or oh, is it all on your own free will? She lost, she lost a, a strength uh, upper body test, actually. So. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, Tess can be quite persuasive. Um, really, I didn't, want to, I didn't feel I could say no. Um, it's going to be quite scary. <laughs> um, oh, hilarious. So, uh, Tess, I'm going to hand over to you. This is your show this evening with Holly. So, over to you. Yeah, thanks. You guys just be in the background whilst Holly and I just have a little a little chat like <laughs> every day. Um, no, this is super exciting because uh, on the 8th of March every year, it's International Women's Day, a day special to everyone around the world because um, each year it has a new theme and that theme this year is leadership in a pandemic. And I thought, well, first of all, we need to have an episode for International Women's Day. And secondly, who is one of the main people in my life who I know is leading in a pandemic and that is my captain Holly Pern Webb and so without having to beat her in an arm wrestle she agreed to come on the pod so I'm super excited um, and I just wanted to start with inspirational women so my inspirational uh, my, well my realm of international I inspirational women includes Holly but I thought I, I shouldn't necessarily just pamper um, Paul and tell her how much um, I, I was inspired by her and the actions of her team and the way she goes about her daily life. Um, I thought I'd talk about the suffragette uh, Millicent Fawcett, who is one of my idols, um, and her saying is courage calls to courage everywhere. And it's also on my Instagram bio, um, but she is someone who I really look up to. Um, and I wanted to ask the question to the group, um, who the women that they look look to for inspiration. So we'll start with Hull. Uh, I think first person I'd have to say is my mum. She has inspired me in many different ways, but yeah, her, her strength and her ability to get back up as she's been knocked down and how resilient she is um, inspires me every day to make sure I can be the best I can be. So she is definitely my number one, I would say. And Gibbo? I'm going to be really bad, son, if I don't say my mum as well now. Yeah, I feel really <laughs> good now if I don't say mum. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we prepped this and we didn't say mum, which is really bad. Um, so, But definitely agree. Um, so the ones that are close to home work-wise and in coaching, uh, Sarah Bayman in Netball at Loughborough and Mel Marshall and a lot of good stuff out there like coaching across genders with Mel. She coaches men, women, she coaches Adam PT most sort of famously. Um, some really good stuff out there about coaching and relationships and stuff like that. And I really like Emma Hayes as well, the Chelsea ladies manager, who just handles herself incredibly well when asked difficult questions, often by uh, media linking her with men's jobs and things. And she just plays it with such a straight bat. And I think she, she understands coaching more than people understand, in football understand coaching and she's not afraid to call it like it is, which I think is really refreshing. 
she was linked with a job in it was Wimbledon actually she was linked with a Wimbledon job and someone in the media called it a step up and she just went hold on I'm I coach World Cup players internationals that's not a step up and the press room were like really it's like no it's definitely not a step up and I just loved the she was pretty fierce with it but I liked it it was really refreshing it needed it just needed to be said and so yeah I like her a lot nice. yeah leading in a leading from a coaching point of view is is a is a different spin on the whole international women's day leading in a pandemic whole you were um you were coached by Karen Brown tell us tell us a little about a about little bit about um about her in the Rio cycle uh saw her today actually she was by the side of the pitch but yeah Karen Brown um I think was really inspirational it was it was so good to have a female coach within that setup and especially someone that had sort of been there and done it and and I remember the World Cup in 2014 when things weren't going that great and and she was there giving the wise words um in the moments when we needed them the most, I think, to then obviously help us in the turnaround sort of a year later at the Euros and then the Olympics. So I think she's been a massive, massive, she was a massive part of last cycle in terms of, you know, things might not be great now, but they can turn around um, and we stick with the process. And she'd been there and done it. And so it was great to see that. It was also great to see how she interacted with the obviously two male coaches. Um, And yeah, she she definitely wasn't, you know, quiet or she didn't be reserved. She was definitely leading from the front, which was great to see. Um, and now obviously we've got Katie within the cycle this time round, and she brings exactly the same. Been there, done that, isn't afraid to use her voice, give her opinions, be heard, lead from the front. And I think she's doing a great job so far as well. Absolutely. What a legend she is. Um, how about you, Mike? Obviously I've got to say mum. I think I can't really go any further. I think I feel like I'm backed into a little bit of corner don't but mum you're listening she's listening is she <laughs> She always she's a weekly listener so yeah mum is definitely uh on board tonight but uh, yeah I think that I've been really fortunate I've had a couple of really amazing female coaches growing up um which I've never known known any different I've always been around really you know really amazing women who have really supported me all the way through um and I think that's been phenomenal and, and really showed me a completely different you know different ways of seeing things and it just it was just amazing so I had two phenomenal goalie coaches uh, when I was growing up so one was Bo um, who just was the first coach really just to embrace me for my style of play which I hadn't had before then it was just very generic stuff and actually she was the first one to really kind of open my eyes and realize that every every person you coach and everybody you deal with is an individual. Mm. And I was like, that, that completely shaped the way I, you know, the way I coach now and, and the way I've, you know, been ever since. And the other one was a woman called Linda Dunham, who's one of the England over 45 keepers. Um, You know, she was national league at the time and she really took me under her wing um, when I was about 14, 15 uh, and just really still talk to her now and you know always checking in on how I'm getting on and stuff and yeah she was a huge role model for me growing up um and just to to have somebody who was an amazing goalkeeper herself but also the the empathy that she had with me um you know I wasn't sometimes I wasn't the easiest person to work with uh but she really was amazing with me so yeah and kind of other people that I've seen 
recently, uh, Georgia Rett, who is um, involved in the Belgian stuff, she's the Mechelse men's coach in the honor division in Belgium, uh, and she's the head coach there. She is one of the best, one of the best coaches I've ever seen um, operating. Huge amount of respect for her, um, and I've never, yeah, one of the best coaches. I'd love to work with her more. I think she's incredible. So yeah, a couple. It's couple. wonderful to hear you both talk about the women in your life who. Um, or the, the women who inspire you, because quite often you can forget that it, that we're all inspired by each other and we're all humans. Um, and leading in a pandemic requires everyone. So one of the crazy things that happened last year was the, and is still going on, is the old corona. Um, Hol, what was it, what was it like, um, <laughs> captaining a team through a pandemic? <laughs> it's actually quite comical when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there was no blueprint for it. So, um, you know, I hadn't that long been in, I guess, leadership position. And I definitely lent on Al and, and Kate and, you know, speaking to people around me in terms of, okay, this situation's happened. How, how do we how do we manage this? But yeah, when, when Corona happened, there wasn't anyone necessarily to ask because it hadn't happened before. So, um, yeah, it, it was just, I guess, you know, everyone at hockey was great and, and especially our psychologist at the time in terms of, right, what's the priority here? How do we manage this? Um, I, and the biggest thing we went to was just staying really connected as a squad. And and that was, that looked like small check-ins in small groups with everyone. And, and the conversation was nothing to do with hockey. You know, it was just, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, and taking an interest in people as as people. And, and you know, there was no judgment on how are they feeling about the situation, you know, what they were doing physically. We had a period of time where health and well-being was absolutely number one and, and it should be number one all the time, but that was it. That's all we had to think about and use that time and and stay just really connected. So, yeah, I, I did lean on a few other people um, and and the girls as well play, played their part um, in terms of what they wanted and where they felt and, and different people needed things at different times. You know, some of the girls were were needing that time and space away from things and and a few more of the girls you know wanted to stay physically in shape and that really helped them having more of a structure so it was kind of being led a bit by them as well um in terms of what I think we all um we all needed a strong gin and tonic didn't we in the evenings couple, <laughs> couple evenings tonight <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite socials <laughs> yeah we had a few didn't we we had um we had a team bake-off as well we nice. did yeah, that was live. Uh, did a few. A, a, did we do bingo? Uh, yeah, some games. Yeah, a we giant did. giant quiz from Saz. We had a really big quiz. Yeah, we had to put garments and things on. Oh, of course, and it was beautiful weather, so we were all outside. Yeah, so we did yeah. a number of various different things that we probably wouldn't have done before. Um, so even though we were virtually and we weren't seeing each other, it probably brought us closer together as a squad. Um, so I definitely think there's learnings from this period that we can keep even after corona yeah i definitely feel like we've got much closer as a squad i mean shared hardship i not only um not had our shared hardship but um in in many ways (laughs) this is another thing to add um so sort of moving moving towards uh i guess the pandemic and gender equality um hold i was i was wondering how i mean i know you yourself um have volunteered to deliver food to those vulnerable and just wondered if you would you would want to touch upon um 
some of the challenges you think that I think all citizens in our country have faced, but particularly particularly women in sport? Um, gosh, that's a big question. Um, well, you know me. <laughs> I think... I think women in general obviously face a number of issues. I kind of was speaking to you earlier, Tess, in terms of these these external barriers, which have been highlighted a lot recently, and and both in the sporting world and the business world. And companies are now taking that on board and trying to do something about it. I mean, obviously, we'd like it to be a lot quicker, and there'd be no need for it. But you know, people are now listening, and we need to accelerate that and keep pushing them. Same in the sporting world in terms of, you know, now we've got Alex Scott on the TV commentating where before that just wouldn't have happened. Um, so we're definitely, definitely making progress. Um, but then there's also the the internal barriers, I think, that that have resulted from the amount of years we've had the external barriers. Now, so women were brought up to think that they couldn't do certain things or they had to be a certain way. They had to be really polite when they were speaking to people and and they couldn't be assertive because then they were classed as bossy and and all these different things I think have just been sort of we've grown up that's how we should be um and it's very different I think to how males are treated both within sport and outside of sport I mean for example I think when you watch our game the women tend to be really really polite to the umpires and you know there's no swearing or anything and, and some of the men's matches is this swearing and and that's fine. They can get away with that. And those little moments that they just unconsciously happen without us thinking about them. And I'm, I'm not advocating swearing at umpires, by the way. I don't think that, that <laughs> yeah, should be the case. Our new team values. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That should not be the case at all. Um, but just little things like that, I guess, are examples yeah. of just of, of how we've been brought up and what we automatically think of ourselves. So I think. Yes, there's work externally that needs to go on, especially in sport, in terms of making uh, sport equal. Um, and I think hockey actually, on the whole, is leading the way in terms of internationally. We are, you know, we are a very equal sport in terms of national lottery funding, uh, the amount we get to train together, the facilities we have. I think it's, I think it's slightly different still in the club space, and I think gender inequality is still happening there so there's still definitely areas we need to improve on um but but yeah we also need to look at ourselves and try and work on some of these um these things we think about ourselves and how we have to be that we've 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 had almost forced on us and we ourselves unfortunately have got to think slightly differently um how did you begin your journey um I would call it a feminist awakening but perhaps that's probably quite an extreme way of calling it (laughs) but I think everybody goes through their lives and they suddenly start to pick on up on different social circumstances I imagine um Mike and Gibbo must have gone through as well where you just you just start to notice little different things and how people are being treated but whole when when did you start up thinking hang on I, I want to start to make change and I want to be, play a part well I think I think growing up my dad had a huge influence on me in terms of he treated with there was three girls he had three girls and he treated us and instilled in us that we could do anything we wanted to do and gender was never even talked about so I wasn't even aware probably from a young age that there was a difference um you know I, I play football I play cricket with the boys like 
I'd been boys sports teams and I wasn't thinking I'm the only girl or I shouldn't be here because of how I'd been brought up. So I think it was probably sort of teenage years then I guess when I got into hockey more seriously that then you begin to notice okay there's a girls team and there's a boys team and things are you know were treated slightly differently and then expectations are slightly differently so it's probably later on in life that I began to notice it and then I thought okay this isn't how I've been brought up or what I was expecting why and it kind of frustrates me like why is there a difference in 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 how we're treated and why is it you know there's a small amount of CFOs in in major companies and CEOs are women like why mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it just didn't make any sense to me so um yeah it was probably then a few years years ago when I probably felt I had more confidence and more of a voice that I then started to dig a little deeper into ask why and kind of gain an understanding um but yeah some of the questions still perplex me a little bit in terms of doesn't make any sense uh, do you think that's that's why um or also one of the one of the re- contributing factors to your um phenomenal dual aspiration of becoming a chartered accountant and and i just want to tell the the the, the listeners that um we're just we're just what holly and i are just watching corners um we're just watching the team and i was like oh how did your accountancy exams go and she's like, oh yeah they went pretty well um I'm actually in the top percentage, one percentage of the country for the marks. I mean, you are like knocking down barriers left, right and centre. And um, is your role, women in business, I know you've just joined the EY Women in Leadership. Um, uh, yeah, what's what's your role, role with that? Um, yeah, so, I mean, as you know, Tess, we've got a great performance lifestyle um, advisor at hockey, Emma Mitchell, and she, she sent out this opportunity before Christmas. Um, and I am, I've always been conscious of having the two. I think performance wise, it actually really helps me having something else going on in my life because it means I have to think about something else than hockey and I'm a terrible overthinker. Um, but yeah, it, the business world is exactly the same. I'm kind of, why are there not more women in leadership positions? Um, so the, so the EY program, um, came about and it, in its, its whole focus is, getting more women in leadership positions um, and especially from sport and the benefits that that can bring. So I guess when I saw that program, I was, yeah, I absolutely want to be involved in this. It means working with some of the top female leaders in business and getting their advice and input, but also working with some of amazing female athletes from across the world. So this, this 15 of us um, from across the world, from all different sports, uh, I think three quarters are already retired. A quarter of us are still in sport. Um, so I just thought it was a, an amazing opportunity to sort of network with all these different variety of people and, and learn the lessons from them as well. So hopefully you don't make the same mistakes and um, and we can all get together and sort of build on on a cause to get more women in leadership roles, both within sport and without. And and I also definitely would want, you know, girls growing up to to see things as achievable so you know they see now women's football on tv and they go okay I want to be a football player which you know boys can grow up thinking but a lot of girls grow up and can't think that because they don't see it mm. and that's the same in the business world you know I, w- I want little girls to grow up and go yeah I want to be the CEO of whatever company because they can see women already doing that and for that to happen we need to get more more females in those positions um which is as I mentioned earlier sort of the external barriers of of giving the women that those opportunities but also the internal barriers in terms of 
thinking you're not good enough, you can't achieve it, where, you know, there's no reason why you can't just as much as a man can. Um, and it's sort of changing the rhetoric and changing the conversation and making sure girls and women believe in themselves and that they can achieve those things. So I think that was the biggest, biggest driver for me for trying to get involved. Well, so, I can tell you that this young girl grew up watching you. So <laughs> pick box. Sorry, Mike. We've actually got a, a really nice fitting question that's just come through um, from Amelia, which I think fits in really nicely. Uh, wants to go into career in engineering. It's very, very male-dominated environment. Um, what advice would you give a whole? Well, I think it's incredible that you're going into engineering. I kind of wish um, that that was a sector that I was in because uh, you've got a great opportunity there to break down some barriers and get get in amongst it. Um, and what advice would I give you is, one, great, you're into it. And, and two, just keep going. There is absolutely no reason that you can't do things as well as any of the guys and any of the men. Um, and actually, you probably can teach them a thing or two in terms of, of the way you, you handle problems and you go about things. Cause I think there is a lot of, of benefits of, of, of being a woman and the kind of the, as I said earlier, what you're brought to believe and how you go about things and you see things slightly differently. So I think I look at that going into engineering and I just think, wow, what an opportunity. I think there's so many opportunities there. Um, you know, don't take no's, break down barriers and believe in yourself. I think that's very exciting. And Amelia is a legend. So she's done a load of Sport 101 academies and stuff and is, uh, yeah, absolutely top class. So I know she's going to really love that answer. And I think she'll, knowing Amelia, she will definitely grab that with two hands and really go for it. So, yeah, thank you for that. That's really cool. Um, I guess my, I, I guess from my point of view, I, obviously from my point of view, I've had, I didn't really value the way that I was brought up from my mum in terms of I get, I now also get equally, I get so frustrated with the inequality because I'm like, let's get the best people in regardless of gender, race, colour. And it really aggravates me. And I think I didn't really realise the influence that my mum had on me in terms of that. And also how important that was in terms of shaping me as somebody who runs a business and manages people has been fortunate enough to coach some phenomenal women athletes, you know, Kate, Hells, those kind of guys. So I think it's so important that, you know, parents have such a, a massive responsibility, not only just for, like you were saying, the role, the influence your dad had on you, but actually the influence they have on young men as well. And I think, that conversation I think needs to happen more as well because I think I you know I I don't see color I don't see right like for me everybody's as good as you pick the best people regardless and actually like you say like you just said everybody brings something different to the table and that is massive like and is underrated I feel at times um so what's your kind of thoughts with with me kind of with that kind of viewpoint no I think I think that's great I think you know for women to break down barriers you know it it, it can't you can't do it on yourself you need a whole community of people around you and you need women supporting women that's vital but you also you also need men on on board as well and you just have to look at Andy Murray in terms of oh. 
you know, the comments he's made, how he responds to journalists in questions um, and the way he supports the women's game. Um, and I just think he's incredible. And I, I again, I think that is largely influenced by how he was brought up with his mum. And she's clearly instilled in him that, yeah, it doesn't matter what race, what gender, whatever you are, we're all equal. Um, and I think that has that's, yeah, a huge part. But it's it is really vital that both men and women are part of this conversation because we we can't do it. One, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it just with women. We need everyone on board with this to sort of break down the barriers and, and truly make everyone sort of on a level playing field. Yeah, 100%. And getting quite getting quite overwhelmed here, Hull. Wow. Um uh I think I think you've um answered uh fantastically. Um and I don't think we need to go to our magic wand question because I think you've articulated it so well. So I reckon we hand over to the audience um and what quick fire questions they have for you because as you can imagine, it's the most popular podcast ever. Um Oh, Gibbo's gone. <laughs> Gibbo clearly doesn't think so. So, <laughs> so we got some really good questions on Instagram. Oh, he's back. Um, I'm disconnected. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Gibbo, you've got the the questions from Instagram. Have you got I any that you are particularly drawn your eye to? While I pull them up, can I ask one that I had? That's completely yeah. used my privileges as a host, isn't it? So. Great. Holly, when you said there was no blueprint and roadmap for leading the pandemic, what did actually guide you? Because you made decisions. What what influenced them? Um, I guess it was starting with okay, what's the priority and what's what's needed right here? You know, big picture was we've we've got the Olympics in a year's time now. Instead, um, trying to get an understanding of how everyone was feeling and been in different spaces. Um, I know where we as a team where we need to go, but sort of trying to roadmap, okay, we're in this space right now and what is the key there? And I think, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, our psychologist um, at the time was really, really useful. I had many conversations with her in terms of how do we go? What do we need to do here? Which is where we got to the sort of small group connections. But equally spe- speaking to the speaking to the girls as well and, and know what they want and sort of listening, you know, that was a period of time where, where we had a little bit more freedom, you know, now we're in a Olympic prep, you know, there's not a lot of choice from us. It's coach led. We need to do this, 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 and this, and that's how it should be. But in that period of time, it was, you know, our health, our well-being, how we're feeling as individuals is the absolute priority right now and allowing players to do what they needed to do in that time. So I, I did have a lot of guidance, <laughs> you know, I sought out questions and from psychologists, from individual players from the group uh so yeah I kind of tried to use that and you know and and follow um, our main values that we had as a squad and that is we are one is one of the biggest ones and so how can we stay connected as a group was a huge huge part of that brilliant awesome so just keeping your finger on the pulse and having conversations as you go kind of thing yeah we had a question from holly um just a couple of good ones actually but we'll go with what is your main goal for yourself in hockey and that's a great question to ask someone who has a gold medal and scored the goal that you scored so I think that's a a brilliant question what's the goal now yeah so I 
for me, it was really clear. Like I was on, I remember being on the pitch in Rio, you know, just got a gold medal. And I remember thinking, right, I want to do this all over again. It was really clear. Um, I want to sort of experience, it wasn't that moment. It was the whole journey that that squad had been on over the four years to get to that point. And I knew I wanted to do that again. And it would be with a completely different set of people. And so it would feel very different but I wanted to go on that journey again um and also it was really clear that there was there were goals in between as well you know I never won a world cup medal I want to do that I haven't got the gold come off medal I want to get that um so there was various different stepping stones as well uh so yeah currently my my goal is to get myself selected for Tokyo to be in the best possible place I can be in and to go and win another Olympic gold medal so that's my immediate short-term goal um so yeah, it's always been quite quite clear for me <laughs> after the Olympics, who knows? But yeah, right now that's my goal. Brilliant. Um, another one from H R K L T, which is an Instagram name. Uh, <laughs> how has it been struggling studies with hockey? And at any point, has anything had to give? Yeah, great question. So, uh, I mean, until recently, I've always played hockey studied and work and worked and had all three that I've had to juggle luckily I've got rid of the studying bit recently because I've finished but um it's it is tough and I think acknowledging it's tough is absolutely fine um but I was quite one you have to be very organized and, and, and arrange your time but I also had sort of used a traffic light system and sort of prioritized stuff at different points in time so obviously we've got a four-year Olympic cycle and at certain points in that Olympic cycle, it's, you know, hockey is absolutely where all my energy should be. And also there's other points in that in that time where, you know, I, I can focus on studying stuff outside. And then a lot of that time, it's just getting the right balance of the three. And so, you know, sometimes study will take priority and, and other times hockey. But the number one was just managing your time. And I'm a big fan of a calendar and a diary. And I, you know, I always look at the week ahead and I plot time. So I'd, I'd you know, plot an hour studying time in the evening, but then an hour chill time after to make sure that I relax because that was important for hockey. So just being really organized, looking at the week ahead, planning it out, and then just being really strict. So at weekends, you know, I could study for 12 hours in a go if if I didn't have something in the calendar to yeah. take a break. You've got to have a relax here. So, yeah, plotting it down and planning it and being really strict, even if you're not achieved what you wanted to achieve, you've done that time, um, I think is really key. But it's tough, but it's definitely doable. Wouldn't it be fair to say that you can do pretty much everything right, but still feel the pinch and find it tough? Like you yeah. can get everything yeah. laid out and it's still difficult. Before every exam, I never felt prepared. <laughs> um, and yeah, I planned everything and never felt prepared. Um, so, yeah, 100% you can. Brilliant. I've this seen one's... Holly. Um, I've seen Holly studying on planes. Inspired me that you know what? When you're flying to Australia, it's twelve hours you got to use. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I don't sleep on planes, so I was like, right, perfect opportunity to get some in. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we'll make the most of this question because it's not one we get to ask Tess because she's um, in the forward line or high third line. Defense often isn't seen as exciting position in junior hockey. Um, what would you give advice to young young players around that? So getting young players to value playing defence and value the defending from Ian, fan of the show. Yeah, good question. Um, I actually love being a defender, you know. Uh, I much prefer being a defender <laughs> than, than I imagine being a forward. Um, and I just love the competition in terms of 
I'll turn into competition with 1v1s, like this player's not going to get past me. And that's the competition that I love in my head. Um, that I, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to go up against Holly. <laughs> no, not true. Um, but yeah, I, I would turn that into a competition. And I also love being a defender. You know, you get to see the whole game. The whole game's in front of you. And so you get to see the patterns and the positionings and where the spaces are. And it's... You know, I, I love the tactical part of hockey where it's like a kind of a jigsaw and, and places fit into place and it's just moving parts. And as a defender, you get to see all that throughout the whole game. So um, I love that side of it. You know, with that, obviously, comes the comms, um, seeing how the game goes and being able to read it really well. Um, and yeah, and just turn it into competitions. Do you That's like being at the back for your captaincy? Could you think you'd, you'd find it easier to captain and hard to captain another line? Well, I've never tried it in another line, so I only know from a defender. But yeah, I guess the ability to see everything is an advantage. Yeah. And obviously Kate, Kate had that as well. Um, but Al led from the front. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she would have probably seen it a different way. But yeah, I, I do like the ability to see everything. And obviously then when we're, we're up there, we're still engaged, but you can kind of get a sense where, where everyone is and, and where's the feeling right now, where's the momentum as well. That's definitely something I used to love from being in goal like it was just I loved seeing the game and just being able that little bit of remote control was really nice just to move people around when you need them and uh yeah it was I completely when you were saying that I, in my head I'm shutting my eyes and I'm like I love or loved that vision of being able to see everything that's going on ahead of you so yeah I completely sympathize with that let's not forget that HPW also has a killer slider, which can be yeah. used to score many a goal. So defenders can also score goals. <laughs> I've actually got a clip that I've, I've got a Holly clip that I wheel out now and again from a game where you hit a ridiculous backhand pass. It was the game at Bisham. I don't know how I've got it or why I've got it, but I use it for like outlet clips for young players that you don't have to slap everything. I've seen that actually. Yeah, yeah. Was that against Ireland? Inside left, at the top. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I've got it. Probably she's only done three, three in her career. She's only done three backhands in her career, so she remembers exactly. <laughs> no, I, it was it was last cycle. It was before Rio. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Paul, I'm just um, conscious of your time. I know you have a meeting at six, so um, we shall we shall wrap up and say a massive thank you over to Mike and Gibbo for their their thank yous, and then I'll close. Uh, I'll go and let Mike wrap up formally. But no, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really, uh, well, and answering other questions. We didn't get through them all, but we got through, a lot of people asked similar things. So we got through a good a good whack of sort of topic areas. And it's just been really nice to hear how you led through an uncertain period because that's been, I reflect on it now and think, I hope we don't have to do this again, but there's a chance we might. So understanding what to do and maybe there is a bit more of a, a blueprint now. But thank you for sharing that. It was really insightful. You're welcome. Yeah, and and just for me, I think it's just been amazing to have you on. Like, I really am truly appreciative of your time. I know you're an incredibly busy woman with so much going on at the moment. And, yeah, for me, it's it's just a pleasure to have, you know, have you here and, and to, to, to hear everything that you spoke about. And, oh, just, yeah, I'm a bit... Bit of a fanboy, so yeah, absolutely love tonight. So thank you very much for for coming on. It's been amazing. No, uh, you're very welcome. I've really enjoyed it, and um, obviously hugely passionate about the topic. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah what a special, 
What a special, special day, International Women's Day, everyone, 8th of March, wear your purple. Um, we will be, as a GB women's group, always we wear purple. So, Cole, you are an inspirational woman. Thank you for being who you are. So on that note, we shall close. Thank you very much. See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye.